Hello, I'm Bernard Nomberg with the Nomberg Law Firm in Birmingham, Alabama. Each month on YouTube Live, we host Work Comp Today. It is our monthly live broadcast where we discuss current topics, newsworthy issues dealing with employers, employees, and independent contractors. Our guest this month is Oakland, California, attorney Fletcher Brown. And Fletcher really provides some great insight from how work comp and those employment related matters work in California. We discussed several topics that are currently going on in our country. We think you'll really enjoy this month's episode of work comp today. If you like this episode of work comp today and want to hear future episodes, please consider subscribing to our channel. We put these episodes out each month, about a week to 10 days after they're live on YouTube. Also, it would really help us out if you would consider giving us a five-star review and rating, and we would sure appreciate it. Thank you again for tuning in to Work Comp Today. Welcome everybody to our monthly YouTube live episode of Work Comp Today, otherwise known as Work Comp Nerds Out. And I want to welcome everybody. David and I have been doing this for about a year and a half, and we so enjoy doing this show each month. We talk about uh, the news from each month that impact employers, employees, independent contractors, and all of these uh, in between, and we have our, as we do each month, a different guest from a different part of the country, a colleague of ours from Oakland, California, with the Fletcher Brown, with Fletcher Brown's law firm. Welcome, Fletcher. We appreciate you making some time for us today. Thanks, Bernard. Thanks, David. Absolutely. And Dave, I guess I should welcome you. It's it's only been about a minute since I saw you last, but how's your day going today, bud? Thanks. Thanks. It's, you know, as a co-host slash sidekick, it's nice to be introduced, uh, Things are going well. It's the uh, it's the end of the school year uh, here in Birmingham for my daughters, so that's that's been keeping us busy as we wrap up another school year. But uh, looking forward to the summer. Absolutely, and guys, for some reason we are not live through YouTube, so I don't know what that's about. So what we're going to do is make sure we are <clears throat> we are on Facebook. So we're just going to keep going through Facebook. And we'll put it up on YouTube later on. No big deal. It's only the first day I've ever done this, I guess. But it's not going to stop us from having a, an animated discussion today. And we're going to talk about some real timely news. So let's just get after it. But as I almost forgot, what I should do is, we were, frankly, we ought to restart, but we won't. Fletcher, <laughs> thank you for joining us out of Oakland, California. Tell us about your law firm and your practice, please. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Um, Fletcher Brown Law Firm, established in 2012. Um, we primarily focus in on workers' compensation. I'd probably say that's that's about 75% of my practice. I do do about 25% of employment law, typically, and those and that um, typically includes discrimination, harassment, retaliation cases, um, and it's usually in connection with. Um, the cases that we already have as workers' comp cases, essentially, um, you know, essentially, we only take your employment case if you're already a workers' comp client. Mm -hmm. um, 
Of course, there's exceptions to that, but in general, that's what it is. Um, something about the firm in general, especially because this is social media, I have on some firm merch, firm swag. Um, this this got fairly popular with our firm on social media at the beginning of COVID. Um, early, late 2019, early 2020, um, I went out and I bought a lot of clothing for clients with the goal of giving out to past clients, current clients, maybe having them take photos and then I was going to post them on Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. Um, COVID hits and, um, and I just had basically a room full of clothing. And, um, and so I started sending them out to clients and, um, and then I found out that people didn't really want their pictures posted on a law firm page really they didn't really you know yeah. clients were kind of self-conscious about you know and they didn't really want to tell me no so a lot of times they just wouldn't send the pictures or you know it just got kind of awkward so one of my managers knew a couple instagram models and so i ended up sending a couple of the firm jackets to them just to generate the content see what happens um and you know i posted a couple of the pictures just in the firm jackets on um on the page and my older brother is an attorney and um and a couple of his friends were already following the page and i think at that point we probably had 600 followers or something and um and i remember he sent me a text and just said oh you know they're talking about your instagram page in the chat like what's going on on there and i was like instagram page and i went on there and we had we had started to post, uh, you know, a few of the models and, um, and then it just started to just generate some interest. And, um, and then we just kind of kept it going. And if you remember at the beginning of COVID, everything retail was on sale, clearance, 50% off, 75% off. So I was like, you know what, this is working. It looks like it's kind of generating some interest. So I went out and I bought a lot of stuff, um, from you know different retail stores, um, and that was kind of the beginning of it. And um, and so you know to this day we'll post different models and different firm merch. All of the models are you know have on the firm's logo, and then we'll interject different workers' comp related graphics. Have you been injured at work? Have you been wrongfully terminated? Something about carpal tunnel, you know. Um, and it's been it's been working, you know, I don't, I mean, it's, it's really marketing based on brand. So it's not pay per click. You just have to, you know, um, you know, you just have to kind of fill out, I guess the room and get to kind of fill out, you know, the buzz and just kind of go with your gut. But I would probably say about three, four months ago, we really felt like an uptick in, in calls and referrals and things like that. Now, no one's ever called and said, Hey, I saw this model on your page and that's why I'm calling. It's nothing like that, but you know, I can just feel that there has been generated or there has been um, there has been renewed um, interest in the firm. And well, so, you went um, from yeah, you guys got it got it on 6, there. Six thousand, right I mean, six hundred followers to over eighty five hundred in a hurry. Eighty five hundred in a hurry. Yeah, right. There you go. And so, and so, here's the thing too: we use Instagram, but I also post the models on. Um, Twitter now has their own little stories. Um, 
Facebook, of course, Facebook business, mm-hmm. um, LinkedIn. I mean, we posted it across the board. And, you know, and I'll say this too. Um, it hasn't all been positive. I mean, some people are like, oh, it's a law firm. You know, yeah. you get a little bit pushed back, but, um, you know, it's generated its buzz. I think people, some people have asked, like, what does this have to do with workers' comp? Not a whole bunch. Um, but, you know, I think people, once they know that you're a workers' comp attorney and they see you on a consistent basis, um, you know, they come to you. And, and of course, I get referrals in for family law and different issues, but, you know, it's been- Fletcher, working. what's the story behind the logo? Is it, is it a deer? Oh, uh, it's a deer. So that's yeah. a good question too. Um, you know, so I live over here in the Oakland Hills and um, and so we have deer that will kind of pop up from here and there. And at, I forgot when this was, but at a certain point I was trying to figure out what the logo was gonna be. And my brother was like, pick an animal. And then one day I'm driving, this is my son's five now. So this is when my son was probably one or two. I'm driving him to his daycare and, um, and I'm driving down the street and then this big buck appears out of nowhere. And, and I had just been talking to my brother like the day before about picking an animal. Uh-huh. And he just, um, and at the time I was driving like a little Hyundai. Uh-huh. And so I remember thinking like, man, this, this buck is as big as my car. I'm not gonna, um, and I still have the video actually, you know, and I just remember backing up and he ended up walking away or something. But I just said, said you know what, um, I'm gonna use the buck. Now at that same time, that's when Giannis Antetokounmpo was getting bigger. And, um, and so I ended up kind of taking the, um, the buck from the Milwaukee Bucks and I ended up having, I ended up having to tweak it a little bit. I talked to this, my, um, um, my brother's friend from law school is an IP patent attorney. So he said, Hey, you know, so this is really the old logo that we had. The new one had, I had to kind of tweak this a little bit, you know, sure. You know, there's a, hopefully the bucks don't sue me. That or that origin story and that video would be a great social media post about the origin of your firm's logos and stuff. You're, you're right. You're right. But I'll tell you this, that logo would certainly play very well in the state of Alabama, considering we are overpopulated with deer. It's unbelievable. However, David, how do you think the Instagram models approach would go over in our extremely conservative red state here? I can see how it works well in Oakland, California. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Alabama is a little different. It's yeah, a little. But we're glad you're with us today, Fletcher, and making a new friend, new colleague. And we're going to hop into these articles now. And that's the meat and potatoes, if you will, of our show. Definitely. So, guys, let's jump to the first one here. It is, let me pull it up here. We are dealing with. U.S. Labor Secretary supports classifying gig workers as employees. And before we jump into that, one of the things, Fletcher, you may not be aware of is we've been dealing with gig economy issues since we started this show in September of of 19. And all during the pandemic, it obviously became extremely important part of our economy. In fact, I think the article mentions it's jumped up to over 40% of the workforce in the United States just because of, of what has happened in our economy. So I think this is a very important article 
Dave, why don't you kick us off? I saw some really interesting quotes by the representatives from those companies that I yeah. know that may have caught your attention. Yeah. Well, you know, a little background. Um, the last administration was not employee friendly. Let's start there. OSHA was gutted. Uh, they were they did they weren't passing regulations that favored the working man and worked working woman. This administration is going to be more friendly to employees, and uh, that's what this talks about. This article talks about expanding worker protections uh, for gig gig workers. Uh, you know, think uh, gig workers: an Uber driver, DoorDash driver. Uh, anyone that that works as an independent contractor, that's essentially what that is, where they control their work schedule. But they they don't have the protections of workers' compensation benefits by working as gig and gig workers. And this goes on, this article talks about providing such benefits like sick time, health care, and work comp benefits to to gig economy workers, which is an increasing uh, sector, uh, almost 50% of our employees now in America are gig workers. So uh, that's kind of just a summary, but I'll let y'all, yeah, there were some interesting quotes there. Fletcher, what, if anything, did you take away and, and is your practice, do you represent folks who are in the gig economy? Good, good question. Um, you know what? We actually had this. We actually had this issue on the ballot in California. Um, in when the last was that? I forgot when the last election was that. Twenty twenty, last or twenty nineteen? But we it's had this. Prop, it, yeah, yeah. So we had this on the on the ballot as a prop, and the voters shot it down. They voted to to keep the gig workers as independent contractors, and um, and I'm a member of a few. Um, I'm a member of a few um, Uber Lyft groups on Facebook, um, just just as like a part of my thing, just to kind of get in there and kind of see, um, you know, what was going on. And I was actually kind of a part of those groups. The, you're following the conversations, exactly. The, the current exactly. trends. And and I don't I don't think that the people who who do the gig work really understand what the protections are about. And I think a lot of them, you know, just don't, just didn't really understand it. Um, and then I think that the general California um, citizen just thought that, okay, well, you know, the, you know, my, um, you know, the cost of Uber or Lyft is just going to mm -hmm. go up. Um, and so they voted it down and I don't think it was really even that close. And so I, you know, I was surprised by that. Um, but it comes to show you that California isn't always as as liberal as um, people may say on TV. Yeah, well, it's I found it interesting. I'll, I'll I'll read one of these quotes, and it just hit me the wrong way. A DoorDash spokeswoman said, "Dashers have overwhelmingly told us that they value the flexibility to earn when and how they choose." We're committed to protecting their independence while providing greater security and benefits. David, that just, it just smells. And consider the source. This is a spokesperson for DoorDash, a spokesperson for, for Uber. Consider the source, right? No, that's exactly right. And I just look at it and think, 
you're just self-serving here. It's just self-serving. Yeah. But it's this this is a topic that we're going to continue to see. It's going to go on for the next however many uh, weeks, days, months, whatever it is, and we'll just monitor it as we do with all of these things. And um, I don't know any closing comments about any of this before we move on to number two. Real quick, just just as a quick question out there, can you guys actually do do gig workers right now have access to workers? comp benefits or no? Not unless it's independently purchased by the individual. The state does have a, a, a vehicle, so to speak, a mechanism that if you're an independent single entity self-employed and you've registered that way and qualified through the Secretary of State, Dave, don't we still have that? Yeah. But I, I bet you Fletcher, you could count on two hands how many probably have taken advantage of that yeah. because of the cost. But I'm, I'm encouraged, in closing, I would, on this article, I would just say I'm encouraged by the current administration and I feel like it'll be more employee friendly and we might see some changes with these uh, with the gig economy uh, companies. More protections for the worker. And Fletcher, here's something that we actually have looked at before. Let's say you have a, a driver for Uber, DoorDash, any of these companies, and you have auto policy on your vehicle. You're using your own vehicle, but you're driving for DoorDash as delivery. Most of those auto policies are going to have an, ex, uh, an exclusion that says, we, we're not covering you if this is for a commercial endeavor. So if you get into a car accident while you're on the job, we're going to cut you free and not have any wow. coverage. So, wow. yeah, and, and most of these, I'm going to call them kids. I shouldn't say that. Most of these young adults, most of these people who do this type of work, as you can imagine, they have no clue that they're not covered for that type of endeavor. So that, that's just yet one another example of, of problems with all of this. But guys, we, we could get mired down in each of these, but we need to keep pressing forward. Let's move on to number two. Second article, the title is Employers, Don't Forget FMLA When Dealing with Workers' Comp and Other Medical Leaves. And the way I read this, this is a very well-written something to think about. This could be at a seminar that we may all attend at some point, and you've got a practitioner who's talking to the audience attendees because, you know, not you either do practice a lot of FMLA or you don't know what it's about. And you, you say, call that guy, call her. She knows what she's talking about. Do you ever have that Fletcher in your practice? Definitely. Definitely. Um, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, I just got a call from a, um, I just got a call from a federal postal worker. And so anytime I get these, these work related injuries from, you know, connected to the federal government, I'm always like, call this guy over here. Yeah. Um, yeah, we you know yeah. we all have those those short lists by our phones or our assistants know to hey this is a federal case call Jimmy or this is a state employee call Billy or whoever you know whoever it is right right yeah 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 we we learned long ago Dave didn't we 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 stay in our lane we stay yep. in our lane no doubt well yeah yeah there's too many good lawyers in in Birmingham that specialize in. And discrimination or federal work comp or civil rights we're, we're fortunate to be able to call those people friends and refer them to cases so we don't do them 
Well, Dave, what did you take away from Ms. Rosenthal's article here about the way FMLA and work comp may overlap sometimes? Yeah, so it looked like the uh, the employer in this uh, th this case is about got in a little bit of trouble because they uh, they didn't advise the injured worker of her of her rights. The injured worker sustained a, a knee injury at work, and she was off work. And then uh, it, it looked like she was uh, they asked her to perform a an essential functions test before she came back to work. She failed that, and then I, I believe that they terminated her employment. But what they failed to do was they failed to give her the opportunity to take FMLA leave to fully recover from her knee injury. Mm -hmm. And so employers are allowed to, to, to run uh, work comp and FMLA leave concurrent. And this employer just failed to give her notice of, of, her, of her leave time. And therefore, they got spanked for that. Uh, Fletcher, one of the problems that we have here in, in Alabama, we're an at-will employment state, which you know there's very little rights that you have for the employees. But if you have a policy that you uh, extend across the board uniformly, for example, if you're out of work because of your work comp injuries and you can't physically be at work to do the job and it's been six months, if you uniformly um, administer that across the board, you're out of a job and effectively you're unemployed. Now, it may make your work comp case a little more valuable depending on the circumstances, but in a sense, you have no more employment. And then if, if, you're, if COBRA runs out or you can't afford COBRA, then you have no health insurance. You're naked to the wind, so to speak, sometimes. I, don't, I know California is a little different than that, but how would you, if you had this case that came in your office, how does it play out? Um, where, where the, where the actual employee was terminated. Yeah. Yeah. I think we look at a, I think we look at, um, FMLA retaliation. I think we look at disability discrimination. Um, so, so in, in Alabama, the employer doesn't have a duty to engage in the interactive process, you know, see how long it's going to take for the employee to return back to work. Um, you know, go ahead and go ahead and address that part. Sure, sure. So, it, so it looks like the injured worker in this case was returned back to work on light duty, and the employer has two options. Fletcher, at that point, they can find light duty work for the injured worker and bring her back in that 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 light duty capacity, or they can say, "We don't have light duty work for you, so go home, stay at home till your doctor releases you, and you will be paid TTD benefits by work comp until." released back to work full duty again okay okay um but then in the, okay but then in that and again i don't want to get too far here in in to the weeds of mm -hmm. this case but in that situation at a certain point they were terminated after they failed the issue the essential job duties test yeah um okay um yeah i mean i would just you know basically look at it in terms of a um, wrongful um, termination case. And you're right, out here in California, if you ultimately can't go back to your job, um, you know, here you would probably be entitled to an educational voucher. You would be entitled to additional money, uh, but it's not that much money. Um, and I'm sure most people would want their job. Um, so that's how I would kind of analyze the case. Wow, well, it, it's... <laughs> 
there, there are many more rights extended to employees in your state than ever will be extended in our state. Uh, and that's just a sad reality of where we practice law. It really, it really is. Let's move on guys to uh, unfortunately a situation that has occurred way too often, uh, almost monthly, if not weekly sometimes, where there are shootings in public places and multiple people are either severely wounded or are killed. And how does that impact those employees who happen to be in the area, in the, the approximate location of where these things take place? The title is grocery workers already reeling from the pandemic face new trauma from store shootings. And this one takes place, I think this particular one is in, is it in Colorado? Where is this? Colorado, that's yeah. right. And I, before we get into this, I'll say Fletcher in Alabama, if this were to occur in our state, if there's no physical injury, there's no recovery for mental injury. So for example, if you're a firefighter or a police officer, first responder, and you witness an event, you visually see an event, you're even interacting within an event. But if you don't have physical injury to correspond with the mental claim, work comp's not gonna cover you. Wow. There has to be a physical injury first in order to get to mental benefits, in order to get the benefits for a mental injury under work comp in Alabama. So, so, just, so, so, so if someone's working at a bank in Alabama and someone comes in to rob it with a gun and they're held up at gunpoint, um, they aren't touched, but they're just, you know, held up at gunpoint and then ultimately the bank robber leaves, there's no compensation unless no. you wow there has to, yeah as you they you said they weren't touched and that's the they key there's no physical injury no then there's now, no benefit for put a little twist on it you might have claims against the person who created the issue but what's the reality of recovering from a bad guy who is doing all the shooting or the robbing now yeah. in the work comp text context that case comes to you in california is there recovery for mental without physical it's probably uh i mean if they don't well i don't want to well you know just generally speaking here um if they don't go back to work and, and you know i mean that's ptsd usually i mean that could be you know upward and easily six-figure case um you know not you know depending on the facts and all that but but yeah. yeah, you know, and I've represented a lot of people in connection with bank robberies. I mean, that's what instantly comes to mind. Um, yeah. Recently, a couple of years ago, represented someone who worked at a retail store who was held up at gunpoint. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, um, you know, those are relatively common. And I, and let me say this too: out here in California, what I've noticed is there's a lot of people who don't know that those psychological injuries can be workers' comp cases. One time wow. I was in the bank, I'll just tell this quick story. One time I was in the bank and I was talking to a teller and she was asking me, you know, you know, about the firm. And I said, you know, I, I represent um, injured workers. And she said that she would never be hurt at work because she worked, works 
at a bank. And I told her, I said, no, you know, I rep- you know, I have represented people who have been victims of bank robberies. And she just, just, just turned, just ghost. And she looked up at me and she went on to tell me that she worked at a retail store. Um, her very first job, second day on the job, she got held up at gunpoint and she ended up running. She ended up giving the guy the money. She ran, told her manager, just never went back to the store, but never got treatment, never, you know, and I could tell she was still shook up about it. Um, and this yeah. was probably 10 years later. And I remember thinking people just don't know that yeah, they, you know, those psychological injuries are real injuries. They, they, it's, it's so true. I've got a case right now. We'll get back to the article in just a second where I had a young lady working in a retail store. She got shot and was hit multiple times with gunshots. She survived it. So she has physical injury, obviously. Work comp has paid for all of that. She has psychological injury because she got held up at gunpoint. They have paid for that. But as soon as she reached maximum medical improvement for all the physical, they stopped paying for any of the mental. And that's not right. It's not as if one goes away when the other goes away. But yeah. yeah. But guys, let's, let's get back to this article because sadly, this is all over the country. And I don't think it's addressed nearly enough for what happens to those people who witness it or who were involved in it intimately in that the shooter ran right by them or the bullets whizzed right by them or they saw their coworkers gunned down. But it is a very real thing. And unfortunately, not enough states in our country. I forget what the statistics are. I'm sure we could get that with Willig, Dave. But only a certain number in our country will agree or will accept, I think they're just called what, mental, mental claims, Dave? Yeah, mental, mental, that's right. And this yes. poor guy, uh, let's see, there was 10 people, including his manager and two colleagues at a King Supers market in Boulder. And now he is just dealing with all types of mental uh, issues, uh, as you can certainly imagine after witnessing and experiencing that. And this guy's 21 years of age. Um, it's nonetheless, it's, it's, it's sad that a state wouldn't be able to cover that such as ours. Yep. It feels like a war zone is what one of the workers said, mm-hmm. you know, not only are these grocery store clerks dealing with the public and during a pandemic, putting their lives on the line, essentially working uh, in a grocery store, but then you know, the fear of a, a gunman coming in to a store and, you know, they're dealing with mental injuries and, you know, stress level, uh, anxiety, and, you know, obviously gun violence is increasing. And it's just, it's, it's horrible. And they're, and they're in the, in the middle of it. And, you know, they're not getting a lot of, they're not getting a lot of the mental care, the mental treatment that they need to, to cope with what they're, what they've gone through. Well, for, for those of you who are just joining us or may catch us on the replay on YouTube or, or Facebook, wherever it may be, this is our monthly work comp today. This is our May episode. We've got our colleague and new friend Fletcher Brown out of Oakland, California with us. We're plowing through some articles as we do each month, and we try to find articles that impact employers, employees, and independent contractors that come out each month from around the country. And we just feel that it's important to 
uh, talk about those articles. It's one thing to just quickly read headlines and scan through them when you're going through your news, but this is the kind of work that the three of us handle and, and have handled for years, and it's important work that goes unrecognized. So that's why we do this show. That's why we've got Fletcher on, who's experienced in California. That's why Dave and I have been doing this show for over a year and a half. We appreciate Fletcher being with us today. Let's see, guys, our next article, as if we couldn't get away from COVID. We, we're gonna finally, Dave, at some point in the future, gonna have one of our shows here. We're not gonna mention COVID or the pandemic at all, but it's not gonna be this show. This title, COVID-19 infections become the new frontier of work comp claims. And before we dive into it, Fletcher, are you currently handling, if you wanna share with us, any current COVID cases? Are they viable cases in California? You know, I have, you know, I have, I have one COVID case, but it's not, um, and I need to check back in with her, but we signed up one early on. Um, but I don't think that there's a lot of disability, you know, lasting disability. Now, you know, there are articles that are coming out that have discussed lung damage and that sort of thing, but it, you know, I haven't seen um, I haven't seen a lot. What I have seen is I've seen a lot of um, you know retaliation and like employment um, based cases you know involving COVID. Meaning, um, you know, I have a um, I have an employment case going on now where um, someone was working for a company and they wanted to wear a, a certain mask. And then the supervisor said, no, that's not the right mask. And they argued over the mask and ultimately she was fired. And later on, they, you know, she found out that she actually had the right mask. And this was early in, you know, because remember early on, no one really knew what's the right kind of mask. Is this right? Is this right? You know, so I've had a lot of those type cases where terminations re regarding COVID, um, but not that many actual COVID injury cases. Yeah. This is not going to surprise you when David answers the following question. Dave, how many work comp cases have we handled? Or are we successfully handling dealing COVID-19 right now? Um, I've turned down every one of them except one. Yeah. And that sadly is a death case, Fletcher, that uh, I'm finishing my investigation and will soon be filing. Uh, on behalf of the uh, the deceased husband and, and two children. Fletcher, unless it's a frontline medical worker, we can't even investigate the other types of cases. There's no presumption here, none whatsoever. And it's gonna take all medical testimony by experts to connect the dots. But those cases, and now we have the new frontier of work comp cases are COVID-19 infection cases. This is, it's not going to go away. It's going to be fought in every state by every insurance company. But what I think is going to be the bigger cases that will be worth uh, pursuing is when you've got the argument of when the employer says, you have to be vaccinated to work in my business. What happens then? When you say, I have a religious reason or I have a medical reason, I'm not getting vaccinated, you can't fire me. Well, Alabama employer would say what, Dave? 
well, the employer said, what? I missed that. The Alabama employer would say, well, either you're oh. going to do what I tell you to do if you want to work here, or you can go find another job. Right. right. We're at will employee. I'm employment. What if you work at a, a Napa? A, well, we won't call it, we won't say a specific, an auto parts dealership. And you work at the front desk dealing with the, the public. And your employer in California, Fletcher, in this scenario says, you have to be fully vaccinated to work my front counter because you deal with the public. But your client says, no, I have X recognized medical condition. I'm not getting vaccinated. What happens in California? You know what? I have to, I saw an article and, and you have to forgive me. I saw an article where, and maybe, and I thought that, this probably wasn't on the federal level. Maybe it was in California, where, um, where they protected employers. Maybe this was maybe this was around testing time, but they protected employers that required testing. Um, and so I, you know, as of like right now, I have to just be straight and say I don't know. I would have to look it up, but I think it's going to be a problem. I was I was picking up some um, wings last night. And um, and I was wait, I was in there ordering, actually picking them up. And the woman behind the counter was, you know, was talking to this guy who walked in and told him that he either needed to put on a mask or show his vaccination card. And they started going back and forth. And I was thinking, let me just get these wings and get out of here. But um, but it's going to be a problem. And I don't, and you know, and then he started saying, she started saying, well, he said, I have the vaccination. She said, let me see the card. He said, I don't have a card. They didn't give me one. And it was just, and I was just sitting there like, let me just get these wings and just get, <laughs> get out of here. But it's, it's going to be a problem. And I don't what know. You, what you could have done is start videoing and then turn the camera around. Fletcher Brown, attorney at law, if you have this problem, Give me a call. Sad, but sadly, I don't mean to make fun, but sadly, those situations right there is what leads to either those increased violence situations or police being called in to deal with the temper issues or lawsuits. And, and those viral moments. Yep. Every yeah. bit of it. Every bit of it. I was for half a second. I was going to jump in and because I, you know, because I have a anyway. I was for and I was just like, no, no, no. Thankfully, let me, let me thankfully, the out. hunger part of you overtook <laughs> the, right. the, the the lawyer side. Guys, let's move on to the last article, and then we're going to do a little comparison between our state's laws. CWCI analyzes bill to cut work comp investigation times and increase employer medical liability. This is out in California. This is in your wheelhouse. This is right in your town. It Are you is, familiar with is. this? This been on the on the radar for you for a while, or is this something new? You know what? I think it's something new. But I will say this: there's there's a general thought out here that if you if you take care of the injured, well, there's a general thought in California that um, the cost of workers' comp in California is so high because injured workers get workers' comp attorneys, mm -hmm. and I think the general thought is. If you take care of the injured worker up front early, you pay for treatment, um, they're happy, they go back to work, they're less likely to hire an attorney. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, to me, when I read the article, that's kind of what I was kind of thinking, like, okay, they're trying to, 
you know, front load the medical, we'll take care of you, let's take care of this, let's take care of that. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully you don't hire an attorney on the back end. Um, and that was kind of what I thought after I read the article. Um, Freeze that thought for just a second, okay. Fletcher. David, that's exactly the way they do things in Alabama too, right? Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Talk, talk about the Alabama experience in contrast to the, what Fletcher's experience is. Well, I, Fletcher, I agree with you that, that, that most lawyers that handle work comp and handle it regularly are not quick to file a lawsuit, especially if, if benefits are being paid promptly, timely. Uh, you know, most of the time we're not going to file a lawsuit if they're doing what they're supposed to do. The problem is when they delay treatment, they want to prove, uh, you know, physical therapy, MRIs, diagnostic exams, and then and then the injured worker calls that adjuster and says, hey, what's going on? Well, I need this MRI or I need this x-ray. And then they don't get the adjuster on the phone or the adjuster won't call them back after three or four days. And then what are they going to do? They're going to call a lawyer, right? And that's, that's why we're here. Um, so when we talk to adjusters at seminars, say, look, if you don't call them back, they're coming to us, okay? So that's fine. Yeah, it's a stark contrast, Fletcher, I'm sure, to what your experience has been uh, with a lot of these situations. And unfortunately, because the cost of medical care across the board, across the United States, skyrockets, the, I'm going to call them the bean counters at the insurance companies, pay way too much attention to what the costs are going to be on the front end not analyzing, in my opinion, nearly enough about the full long-term costs that they're going to end up in litigation, and it's just going to cost so much more uh, overall. But um, we have a litigation-based, and this is going to lead us into our comparison, Fletcher, we have litigation-based practice here. We may be the only state in the country that lawsuits get filed in front of a circuit judge where it's not with juries, but just with a judge, a bench trial in court, same court you'd be if you were uh, having any other kind of dispute just without a jury, as opposed to we don't have arbitration panels, we don't have administration uh, system uh, for the most part, but we're in front of judges. So we're filing lawsuits when we have disputes for the most part. What in California, how do you resolve disputes for the most part in, in California system? Well, in California, um, we have we have what's called the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board. So it's a separate court, similar to um, out here with bankruptcy. I don't know in Alabama how you get, or like tax, but it's a whole separate system. And ultimately, if you appeal the Workers' Comp Appeals Board, which is really the trial level, you appeal that to the Workers' Comp Appeals Board, then you appeal them, then you jump over to the California Court of Appeals. Mm -hmm. And so um, and so a challenge for my office, at least not as much anymore, but initially was um, handling the speed in Workers' Comp and then having our civil cases and handling the civil cases because it's, it's two different courts, two different styles of attorneys. Um, it's just two different speeds in terms of areas of law, but workers' comp definitely has its own separate court. 
Dave, what do you think about that? If we were not in circuit court where the same judge who will hear a car wreck case may also hear a medical malpractice case, may also hear in the same day arguments on a workers' comp case. We don't have any specialists is what I'm saying, Fletcher. Dave, do you think that we could ever evolve to a board like that, an administrative system? I, I don't know. Obviously, the only system I know is what we have here, you know, uh, through litigation. Um, and yeah, and we are the only state in Alabama where that doesn't have an administrative work comp system, Fletcher. We go straight to court when there's a dispute. Um, you know, because our judges, uh, you're right, maybe hearing custody cases and criminal cases, and then come and we, and we come with a work comp case. Um, you know, it's up to us as the uh, as the litigators, as the lawyers, uh, to to properly explain our position to the judge and provide the law. Um, so yeah, it puts a little bit more on us because not all judges are familiar with work comp as we are, the practitioners that do it every day. So it's on us to educate those judges. Yeah. So let me just just ask a follow up then: Are the filing fees the same? So the filing fees for a workers' compensation case, is it the same as the filing fee for any other case? No, the, the, the filing fee on work comp can be as low as a couple hundred dollars in one county, and then it can be up to 300 and something, $400 in another county. A, a, a medical malpractice case, which is a, it's probably going to be a, a jury case, is going to be far more expensive. Uh, or a, a car wreck case where you're requesting a jury or have multiple defendants, that's a filing fee that could be, you know, six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred dollars, depending on the number of defendants and whether you're requesting a jury. So on average, I'd say our filing fees are two fifty to three hundred for work comp because there's no jury and there's usually just one defendant. And Fletcher, also with that, you can file if your client doesn't have the filing fee, and most of the time we ask our clients to pay it and they get reimbursed at the end. This, in our opinion, gives a little bit more seriousness. Uh, we, it really kind of tests our clients a little bit more. But alternatively, we can file a motion for the judge to consider waiving that based on, not poverty, or it's it indigency? Hardship. Hard, thank hardship. you, I'm sorry, it's hardship. Financial hardship. And sometimes we file that as, as in, in lieu of filing the fee, but it's up to the judge to accept it or not. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Along those lines, Dave, if you want to either through trial or settlement in Alabama, do we have the right for our clients to have medical care related to the particular claim for, for life in certain circumstances? Yes. Short answer is yes. Um, if you try the case and the judge rules in favor of the injured worker, then the injured worker will get lifetime medical care on the injured body parts, uh, but they have to go to the authorized treating physician that, uh, that work comp selects. Uh, future medical benefits can be settled or closed um, through a settlement though, where uh, work comp pays some money to the injured worker to close out that future right. Fletcher, do you have that option in California or is it a limited uh, certain specific period of time? No, we have that right, um, and and you have um, you have that right to keep your future medical forever. Um, now, what I tell my clients is, um, 
future medical doesn't mean accepted future medical. I mean, you still have to go through the insurances utilization review process and you still may be facing some denials and you know all that but you do have that right yeah and a lot of times what might happen we advise our clients that even if you're not symptomatic try to go once a year back to that doctor check in because what happens three four five six years down the road you haven't had any visits since you settled your case and now you have a flare-up of your shoulder injury well, it'd be extremely easy for the insurance company to say, whoa, time out here. Where have you been the last four years? How do we know you didn't tweak it doing yard work? And then we have a fight. Then we got to get back into court. So best practices, we hope, is that our clients go at least once a year to check in. Not many do, but at least we advise them of, of that. That's a good point. Um, and that's also why I do advise some of my clients. I say, hey, you know, if you're not going to use the medical and they're, you know, and they have X amount of dollars on the table, um, take it if you're not going to go. Because if you if you keep the medical and then you don't go to the doctor and then now you want to get paid a couple years later, they're not going to want to pay you much for when for you not using the doctor or not wanting to go. Yeah. Um, if you're not going to use the yeah, if you're not going to use the benefit, it's worthless, right? Use right. the benefit or don't. Right. Yep. Right. All right, guys, we're getting close to the end of our our episode here, and we want to thank Fletcher before we get out of here for spending some time with us, sharing his wisdom and experiences and expertise. But before we do, if I'm a work comp client of yours in California, and I want a second opinion, I am not happy with the way the doctor is taking my care. I don't think he has or she has my best interests at heart. I think there's too much influence by that insurance company that's calling the shots and paying for it. What rights do I have in California for second opinions through the work comp system? So um, so I, I gave this some thought too. So I would say that there's four different options. Um, the the doctor that controls treatment um, in a workers' comp case in California is called the primary treating physician. Um, you have the option to, to change primary treating physicians. Um, if you see a secondary physician like a surgeon, um, you have a right to a second opinion. And sometimes they'll even give you a third opinion if you want, you know, if you push for it. Um, and then we, out here, we have what's called the qualified medical examiner. It's almost like the, what I call them is, they're almost like the medical judge on the case. Mm -hmm. So at a certain point in your case, um, you're gonna see what's, who's called the qualified medical examiner, and they're gonna give their independent opinion on the case. Um, or they're supposed to be independent, you know, different doctors have different biases and you come to know who is who. Um, and then the fourth way, um, and I saw a case come down maybe a couple of years ago where they basically said that an injured worker can pay out of pocket um, to see a doctor outside of workers' comp and the QME or doctors within the workers' compensation system can take that into account too. Um, now, a judge in general won't just look at what that doctor said in and of itself, the, the judge is going to want to see a PTP, you know, the primary treating physician, review that report and issue 
their own report or have the QME review that report and issue their own report. But I would probably say, you know, if you're not happy with the treatment, you have those four different options to kind of explore. A lot more options than we have. Dave, talk yeah. about the two different scenarios we have for families. Yeah. So, so essentially, Fletcher, we have the same, the, the first two you mentioned, we've got that. Okay. So we call it an authorized treating physician or ATP. And if you're dissatisfied, if the injured worker is dissatisfied with that, uh, that treating physician, then the injured worker can request what's called a panel of four physicians. And work comp provides four doctors and the injured worker chooses one and that becomes the new authorized treating physician. If surgery is ordered, then the injured worker can request a panel of four surgeons to go get a surgical consult with that new surgeon and decide if they want to proceed with the surgery or follow the advice or recommendation of that uh, second surgeon. We, we don't have a QME. We don't have that. Um, so, th so those are the two, two times when an injured worker can, can change doctors in Alabama. And, and Fletcher, just because you choose a doctor off the panel, unfortunately, that doctor doesn't have to take our client on as a patient. They get to review the records and then let the insurance carrier know if they'll take them on as a patient. And what happens, or what we've seen in the last couple of years, is more and more doctors are taking, excuse me, more doctors are taking less work comp so there's less qualified doctors in our state. They won't let us go out of state. So we may be choosing four or five or six different doctors potentially to land the next authorized treating physician. In fact, I just went 13 months yeah. to get my client medical care. She goes to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, what's going on with you now has nothing to do with what happened to you 19, 20 months ago. And that's the world that we practice in. But anyway. I mean, I, I will say too, there's a problem out here in California. And I don't know if the, I see it because, you know, I've been doing this for the last 10 years. So I've, you know, I'm fairly young in the industry. Um, but there's a lot of doctors that are retiring and there's not that many doctors wanting to get into workers comp because, you know, because of the hassle or because of this, yeah. because of that. And, the red, um, the red tape, and it pays less than other carriers. Well, in case managers trying to dictate, mm -hmm. and then utilization of you saying no, they don't need that MRI, you know, that time the doctor's hands. Huh. Yeah, who wants to practice medicine that way? Being told no, that's not right, or you can't do that, or I'm going to limit this. And then the clients so, are getting upset, and then they're frustrated. And, yeah, yeah, you guys. I mean. It's, All right, before this turns into a complete grouse session, which it easily could, we're going to stop our talk for today because I know the next step is to talk about how wonderful claims adjusters are for our clients. So we'll stop it for today. We'll keep it classy, California and Alabama. But Fletcher, we want to thank you for spending an, almost an hour with us, sharing your views from the West Coast. We really appreciate your time with us today. Look, thanks, guys. Um, you know, this this talk just kind of reminded me of how much I really love talking about workers comp and um, and you know it's it's one of those things where we do it every day but then just to kind of come on here and talk to someone who doesn't in a different state is just really eye opening so well stick stick around when we sign off in just a second we got something Definitely. else to share with you but guys Definitely. 
Dave, any closing words before I sign us off? I was just going to uh, ask Fletcher to tell everybody how they can find you. Yeah, thank you. Definitely, definitely. Um, FletcherBrown.law. Um, we're on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, um, LinkedIn. We we just got a TikTok account going. Nice. Um, so so find us on social media, uh, but FletcherBrown.law. All right, I just, I just found it. I'm going to put the link in our show notes so folks can find you uh, easily that way. Perfect, perfect. All right, Dave, anything else, bud? No, everybody have a, have a great rest of the week. And we want to thank everybody for either watching us live or watching us on replay whenever you can. This is our monthly live, usually on YouTube. Today we're on Facebook. I'll get that fixed for next month. But we do this every month with a colleague from different parts of the country, California represented today. I can't remember where next month is, but we'll be back toward the end of June, either the third or fourth Friday, uh, Thursday, third or fourth Thursday of each month, just depending on our schedules. So thank you guys for tuning in to Work Comp today. And y'all have a great rest of your week and be safe. Take care. <laughs>